Welcome to Girl Power Pod, the podcast to inspire and motivate women to feel empowered to pursue their dreams. In this episode, we are talking to Jessica Quinn, who lost her leg to cancer. Today, she works as a model, an influencer, and she's also a big advocate for body positivity. Tag along to learn more about her journey and how you can give yourself more self-love and how you can get your friends to change the view you have of yourself to the better. so much for doing this no worries and um, maybe you can start with introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about your background yeah sure um so my name is Jess Quinn and a bit about my background there's so much to talk about it's always like <laughs> where, where do you start um I I live in New Zealand I grew up in Auckland and have pretty much always lived here um I ended up going to uni I studied fashion and product design um first out of high school and then I worked in that field for a while until I realized um I actually fell into what I'm doing now which is largely social media based I do public speaking and I'm kind of working on a million different projects at once as well as doing modeling um, but all with the same I guess message of wanting to help people um, understand that all humans are really different and kind of normalizing different I think what we see in the media all the time is a really kind of cookie cutter mold of perfection yeah. so I've been trying to trying to break that a bit um so yeah, that's kind of how my work turned into what it is. I did a photo shoot one day and it went viral and yeah, here I am um, about three and a half, four years later. So yeah, yeah that's a really small picture of, of my life, I guess. Um, I lost my leg to cancer when I was a kid. So I guess that's where that um that comes from for me is that I grew up obviously really different um mm. visually and through so many different things um and then as I got older I kind of realized that a lot of people who had two legs they grew up feeling um the same kind of feelings as I did with their body and with different things um but for a different reason so I kind of realized it's it's human nature and it's something that's kind of instilled us to be instilled in us to be a little bit kind of insecure and compare each other and that's gotten worse obviously with social media so yeah um yeah I don't know how so much you were you um, go into things, but <laughs> you were that's... nine years old right when you when you yeah. you broke your leg and that's how you found out that you had cancer yeah right? Yeah, so I broke my leg. As you said, um, I was playing, I was trying to balance on a soccer ball. I was just in my backyard and I thought it'd be cool if I stood on a soccer ball. I've seen people do it all the time. Um, and then I did it and I happened to snap the strongest bone in my body and it took them about four months of me trying to heal the break to realize that there was something kind of sinister going on. Um, wow. And yeah, they they realized that I had an osteosarcoma, which is a bone cancer that was in my femur bone, um, which is what had caused it to break, which is why it broke standing on a soccer ball. Um, And then I was pretty much rushed rushed immediately into chemotherapy. And I went through 
I think all up it was about 11, 10 or 11 months of chemotherapy, um, but it was kind of broken up into the first part that was about nine, eight to nine months. And then I had an amputation. So they amputated my leg. Um, and then I had another three months of chemotherapy just to make sure it was gone from that area and also that it wasn't lingering elsewhere in my body. Um, so by the time I finished, it was, I was 10, 10 and a half. Um, and then, yeah, I just had to start the actual hard part of the journey was learning to do life with no leg or with one leg, if yeah. you like. So, um, yeah, it was quite the journey. That was about, I think, 17 or 18 years ago now, which is crazy wow. to think about. Yeah. And that's um, still a bit of a journey. I follow you on Instagram and I see that you, you've been in such a, a lot of pain and your, mm. your leg has been swallowing yeah as well so that must be really yeah really hard yeah. for you how do you mentally deal with that because it must be so challenging it's really challenging and to be honest um this year has been the hardest year i've had since i was six as in this past year that's just gone um it's i've been really lucky that i kind of just i think because i had I went through all of this so young. I just kind of bounced back. Kids are so naive and resilient, which helps them just yeah. kind of get back to life. And um, even though my surgery is really rare and unique and there was obviously the challenges that it brings every day, I kind of also just didn't know any differently eventually. So I didn't actually have too many issues. And then this year I've been really active for pretty much since I could learn to walk again. I got straight yeah. back into sports and all that kind of stuff and um, did a, a lot of training in the last kind of five years, if you like. And my prediction is that that's kind of just taken its toll. Um, and I think my prosthetic wasn't quite built to support that kind of activity. So um, about this time last year, yeah, my um, the leg that I have left on that side just started to completely swell to the point where I haven't really been able to put my leg on properly every morning for the past 12 months, um, which is quite confronting and takes a massive mental toll on me because I wake up each day wanting to you know, I plan on going and getting a coffee with a friend or I'm going to yeah. go to the gym or, you know, you kind of wake up or you go to bed with a plan for your next day. But I never knew if I was going to physically be able to do that. So it's been a really weird way to live for the last 12 months and also just living in a state of constant frustration. I think the um, mental pain, I guess, was worse than the actual physical pain of the mm. swelling. The swelling wasn't actually too painful except for the fact that it was just so so tight um so it was more of a horrible discomfort that led to like me not being able to do so much um so yeah it's it's really hard to deal with but I think I've got a lot of practice in dealing with tough situations so yeah. I just kind of um I know that things are just a season I let it ride out as much as I can and I let myself um scream and cry when I want to and also um get get up and get on with it when I when I physically can so um, I think I just have learned that that's just life is just a balance yeah. of good and bad yeah yeah so um let's talk a little bit about body image you um how would you define body image <laughs> um it's a hard topic eh? yeah <laughs> it's, a hard thing. it's a hard thing to define um because I think it's different for so many people I think 
body image in a simple sentence is the way we perceive our bodies and other people's bodies. Um, but I think the industry of body image, if you like, has gone far beyond that. And it's become such a, you know, you can bring in diet culture, you can bring in um, eating disorders, you can bring in so many different things, anxiety, um, body positivity, body negativity, you know, there's so many yeah. things within that conversation and all of them have so many important speaking points. But yeah, I think as the word body image goes, I define that as the way we perceive our body and other people's bodies. And I think um, we've gotten to this um, kind of toxic place with it um, because of so many different things. But largely, I think we've been, as I mentioned at the beginning, kind of um, slowly subconsciously showing all of these images throughout our whole lives not even since social mm. media I think our parents and probably our parents parents had the same thing because the media started to project especially women in a particular light and that's something that's kind of stuck so without us even knowing it it's kind of a, a generational thing that women have started to speak to the, about their bodies yeah. and towards their bodies and kind of harsher lights um, and I heard um I heard one of the TED talks that you did Mm. A, few, a few years ago where you started one of the talks with um um girls at the age of nine are having negative thoughts about mm. their bodies mm -hmm. which i think is quite powerful like it's it's scary yeah, it's <laughs> so scary and um, yeah. what do you think we need to do to change that because it feels like it's just going down in age like it's not gonna be it's not an easy thing to change. <laughs> no, I definitely agree that it's not an easy thing to change, but I do believe we're on the right path. When I started what I'm doing, um, as I mentioned earlier, I did this photo shoot because I wanted to change the way that women were seen in the media. I wanted to use my image, which is so different um, and not what people would normally see mm. um, and so not perfect. I wanted to try put that out into the world to show people that that was different. And I remember when I did that, it was, I definitely was wasn't the first but it was quite rare at that time whereas now there's a lot of different people showing in the media whether it's different skin colors or different ethnicities or different um you know able-bodied um disabled bodies if you like um I think we've really come to a place where we're showing a lot more I think there's still a large chunk that's stuck in those ways but I'm hoping I kind of see it as a stepping stone and it's not something we can just change people's mindsets overnight just like we our generation was kind of um brought up like this I'm hoping that you know by the time I start having children and my children have children it's just normal that there's yeah. different bodies everywhere but we've got to start somewhere and it kind of I think things often get worse before they get better yeah. um but yeah I think the more we can support the brands that are doing the right thing and the, the thing that we believe to be the right thing and the more we can you know um, change the way we speak about ourselves and other people I think that will slowly change that um that that kind of outlook on on bodies for everyone yeah when when you talk to young women today about this what changes do they want to see I think the most thing that I hear is pretty much what we're talking about. People just want to keep seeing more different bodies. Like if I post a photo, um, you know, I recently posted one I've just signed on as the face of Bend On and people were so encouraging. And the, the most regular comment I saw was that people just want to see more and more diversity. So it's more of a um, an encouragement to continue what's already out there, I think is what people want. And I don't think 
you know, that you can't do enough of that. There's always going to be, we're all different. Therefore, there's always going to yeah. be someone who wants to be seen more and more and more. And I think we just need to keep doing that and keep shining the light on, on, on those people who yeah. want to be kind of taking that stand. So, um, and leave yeah, a good example. Yeah, I yeah. think people are, yeah, totally. People are just um, demanding more and more of that, which I think is the only thing we can do, which is mm. amazing. So I heard a story that where you, as a teenager, refused to wear shorts mm-hmm. because of um, the differences in your legs. And mm. um, how did you overcome come that? Yeah, so I didn't wear shorts. I think for the first couple of years after my amputation, I was so young, I didn't care at all. And yeah. then I got to a point at, at kind of a similar age that we all start to be more conscious of our bodies. And I realized that um, I was really conscious of mine. So I didn't wear shorts for yeah the first eight years or for the next eight years. Um, so I was in my last year of high school before I started wearing a pair of shorts, which is quite wild when I think back on that time, given I wear shorts all the time now. Um <laughs> I think a part of it was almost like a, just a process I had to go through. It was just something that um, I don't think anyone could have forced me to wear a pair of shorts. It was, yeah, something I needed to deal with on my own and come to terms with the way that my body was, which I did. Um, So I think if all of us, we have to allow ourselves time to adjust to how we are. Um, And also I had such great support. It was my friends at the end of the day, it was a hot summer's day and we were around at one of my friend's houses at the the pool. And she was like, just throw on some shorts. If you like, you can just go upstairs and borrow a pair of mine. And they just said it in a way that was just so normal. It wasn't polarizing. I didn't feel um, less than, or I didn't feel like they were just doing it to give me sympathy. Um, And then I went upstairs and I put on these shorts and I just felt, a weight lift off my shoulders and and to be fair like I like to be real in this conversation is that I also got my prosthetic to a place where I felt really confident and then I got it to a place where it looked a little bit more like a leg which made me feel more comfortable and and I think as humans we do have to make those things those changes that make us feel the best that we can feel because it's our responsibility as well at the end of the Mm. day within reason but um yeah I just got to that kind of place and then I never really looked back. I now wear shorts all the time. And I, um, it was really cool. I got signed to a modeling agency in LA um, about three years ago or two years ago. Um, and when I was getting to know the the agency there, the, I was talking to the owner and I told her the story because it came up in conversation. And then she went away and she must have told a whole other people the story. And I ended up being in LA about a month later. And she was like, oh, come meet us at this location. She does kind of, she just arranges photo shoots every now and again. And she was like, I've got an idea for a photo shoot. And then I turned up and there was a thing about five of us girls. And she just told us, oh, wear denim shorts and a white t-shirt. And it turns out every one of those girls who all, they all had two legs, had also not worn shorts either till that day or for a oh, large wow. portion of their life. And it was because they didn't like the shape or the size or the color or a scar on their leg or whatever it was. And for me, that was a huge tipping point in my journey of realizing that, you know, it's not just me. It's not just because I have one leg. It's just sometimes it's just, you know, we all have these kind of different feelings or same feelings about our bodies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was super powerful. You also started a petition against photoshopping mm-hmm. images because you were photoshopped yourself and was it Australian Women's Weekly? Yeah. Yeah. How did you feel feel about that? Yeah, not great. Um, I I remember I went to the photo shoot and it was just after I'd finished Dancing with the Stars and I remember I felt so great because, you know, I'd just been 
working my butt off I, I just felt amazing and yeah. and I turned up at that shoot you know feeling the best me that I could feel I was confident and I was happy and I just you know achieved something I didn't think I could do so I was you know full of hope and joy mm. um and I went to the shoot and the shoot went great and I felt good and then I got the images back and I loved them um sorry I first saw the images in the magazine and I loved them and then I a bit later was applying for my visa for America um, to go do modeling over there and I needed to send a whole lot of photos. So I emailed the company and I said, Hey, can I grab all of the, like the raw images off you? Um, as in the, the files. And they sent me an email that had both the, um, the, uh, the images that I'd seen in the magazine that I thought were hundred percent me. Um, and then the images that, uh, that had been titled unedited. And I opened the folder thinking, what is this vault that I'm opening? <laughs> and it turned out that they were the unphotoshopped, well, sorry, they were the yeah unphotoshopped version of myself. And it wasn't until that point that I realized I'd been photoshopped, which might sound crazy you might wonder how I looked at a photo of myself in a magazine and thought that that was me but it was the changes that they made were actually quite subtle they kind of just smoothed out my skin they removed half of my moles which I hadn't noticed until I compared them and they kind of um just yeah flattened everything a little bit more than it was and mm. you know we don't really know what we look like until we actually see a photo so yeah and I, I saw them also, yeah yeah and I saw them next to each other and I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> um, and and the, the weirdest, well, not the weirdest thing, the most, I guess, kind of amazing thing was I actually preferred the non-Photoshop version of myself because I looked more like me. And I was like, yeah, I kind of resonated with that more. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, one thing led to another and it ended up on Seven Sharp and it started a whole conversation around it. Um, and I ended up doing a petition because I realized a lot of people were kind of crying out for that change. And I figured... Yeah there's no point in me kind of um, campaigning to have more diversity in the media if they're going to have diversity in the media, but just in the way that they want it. So they can be, they can have one leg, but they, you know, can't have too many walls. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, 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 you can't have one or the other. So I saw the, um, the you ended up thing. receiving over 10, was over 10,000. Yeah. I think we got to 11,000, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, it went very well, which was good. Yeah, and um, what um what's the next plan, or have you have you thought any further on what you're gonna do? Yeah, so the petition closed. I think it was was it January or end of last year. Anyway, not not so yeah. long ago. Um, and basically, if a, my goal was ten thousand, because if a petition gets to ten thousand, it has to be considered by Parliament if you put it forward. Um, and I haven't put it forward yet because I was in LA when it um when it kind of finished, and then everything that's going on in the world right now kind of started happening, and I. I don't know if it's the right way to look at it, but I kind of just thought, you know, everyone has enough stuff to deal with right now. I didn't need to add anything yeah. else into parliament, but I also yeah. think that we also need to keep looking at important issues, even though there's other important issues going on in the world. So it's something I'm looking into, but I must say um, for me, the petition kind of just came from a conversation I was having and I got so much out of that conversation. And I noticed um, people creating changes because of that conversation that I sometimes think awareness is even more important than kind of creating laws and regulations. So yeah, um, yeah I'm kind of happy to just continue the conversation. And if I decide that it needs, you know, further legal action, if you like, then we can keep exploring that. But yeah, now I'm just kind of trying to continue that conversation on. Yeah, that's really impressive. 
So while having um, poor body image is not, it's not a mental health condition itself, mm. but it can make you develop bigger mental health conditions such mm. as depression or anxiety. What mm. advice would you give to a woman suffering from low self-esteem or poor body image? Um, I feel like the advice I would give is probably the stuff we hear all, all day long, which is probably not helpful, but I just think, I think, you know, there's that saying that comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that's so true. And I, I think trying to be more mindful in the way we um, speak to our bodies and the way we, um, I guess, consume content as well. And I'm not the best at it. It's something I'm constantly trying to work on as well. Um, but mm -hmm. I think we live in a world where we're, um, I guess, flooded with so much media and we're constantly exposed by images of other people and that we're it's become such an innate habit you know we'll be cooking dinner and looking at instagram at the exact same time we don't even really realize what we're consuming and when i did my ted talk i actually found a stat that says only eight percent of an advertisement's message makes its way to our conscious brain and the rest we basically rework in our subconscious mm -hmm. um which just kind of shows that we're being constantly affected by these images that we're seeing, even if we don't think we are. So I think my advice would be to be more mindful about the content you're consuming. I do a mass unfollow every month or every couple of months where I just go through accounts and it's not malicious. It's not because they're bad people or whatever. It's just, if there's something out there that's not making me feel good, then yeah. I make sure it's not on my feed. I think people forget we have the ability to curate our, our Instagram feeds or our social media feeds. Yeah, true. Um, and actually yeah. follow and uh, make sure that we have diversity in the people that we follow as well. Yeah, I think it's not so only important. showing one thing. So um, research um, into body image, they talk about the power of body talk when, mm. you know, we say to our own bodies uh, or each other, but how bodies look, mm -hmm. it has big effect on what we actually tell ourselves and mm -hmm. how we feel and, and view our body. And what, is there anything that you have learned to tell yourself to, to help get a better view of, of yourself or just be more proud with the skin you're in? Yeah, I I really like this and it's I'm gonna be honest, it's something I'm I'm working on myself as well because I think it's really easy to fall into traps even for the people who, you know, people probably perceive me as someone who's very confident in my body and stuff, but I think everyone has these thoughts all the time. Um mm. so at the moment I do a lot of meditation and I just try not let my thoughts control me. And if something comes into my mind, I try um let it I kind of see it as like an inwards outwards thing so if something comes into my mind I try to speak something outwards in within the same conversation but in the reverse so if it's a negative thought then I try to think of it in a positive light if, you, if that makes sense yeah um and I find that a really good practice and it's something that I'm not good at yet and I don't know if it's something that anyone ever gets good at mm -hmm. but I think it's a really good practice to have and I'm I've started a new thing um I hope this is kind of on the same path but where I spend five minutes in the morning and five minutes at night, just I set my timer with a really nice alarm because the other day I had an alarm and it went off and it gave me a fright at the end of my meditation. <laughs> a nice little like quiet ding at the end. Um, bird like, songs. Yeah, bird song. <laughs> Something where you just sit for like five minutes and you you think of either one word or one picture 
or one thought, not thought, but like a, an object, you just think of one thing and you think of that for the whole five minutes and thoughts are going to come in your head, but you just kind of let them go. And I find it's a really good way to calm the mind because a lot of the time I find my negative thoughts come in when my mind's just too busy, um, you know, whereas it's mm. a good way to kind of just slow down and, and just, yeah let those good thoughts that come in so often I'll think of the word love or I'll think of the word happy and it kind of quietens the mind of all the other negative stuff that can come in um so yeah I don't know if that answers your question but those are some things yeah, that, some that great... they're like tools that I find yeah really exactly some great for... tools to yeah to use to kind of like increase I guess your your self-esteem in a way yeah I think it's helpful. yeah so what um with the power of social media, what responsibilities do you think that we got to help the next generation to build a stronger confidence and self-esteem in themselves? It's it's a hard do you one. Think, I think. Yeah. Do you think we have any responsibility at all to? I to I, I do. I think every older generation has a responsibility for the younger ones coming through, mm-hmm. and I think even more so now than ever because of social media and young people. I mean, everyone is so influenced by social media and young people more so. Um, so I think we have a responsibility to put out a right the right message, I guess. And I don't think I think people put that on to people who have big followings and I don't think it's about that I think you could have just your family following you but you've still got I don't know a young cousin or something who's then gonna go do that same thing to the next person you know or Mm. or take that message on so I think it's not about influences or anything like that I think it's about um yeah all of us having a responsibility to catch the way we talk about ourselves I even just as an example find myself now being mindful I used to like jump on Instagram and I'm really raw I'll have pimples on my face or whatever I don't care but I'll, I'll mm. point it out I'll be like oh I haven't washed my hair for weeks you know it's like one of the first things I say and I've kind of I'm really trying to stop myself doing that because it just little things like that we don't realize are showing people that or the way we look is what's most important about us. And I think if the more we can let that go and yeah. talk about other things, I think that's the better. So um, that's just I think, uh, Yeah, I think especially for women that always, you know, in, back in history, we've always been recognized for a look rather than what we yeah. actually do. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, if you, you know, most people would think of, and I used to think of when you'd say, you know, what's one thing we can do? to help body image or something we think of these images of women kind of you know videos of women dancing around in their underwear being free and letting their body jiggle or whatever you like but I don't think it's I mean I think that stuff can be really helpful but I don't think it's about that I think it's these small little things in the way we talk about ourselves and other people that Mm. we need to kind of catch ourselves doing um yeah that's what I believe at least Mm -hmm. how do you um how do you give yourself self-love I my meditation is a big thing as I touched on before I try to be slower and more patient um I I kind of just I've got a tattoo on my body that says be and it's something I've always kind of lived by I allow myself to just be in kind of the present and be in whatever state that I'm in and that's kind of a form of self-love um I mean there's the face masks and baths and um a a tea and a hot chocolate and all those good (laughs) things and a piece of carrot cake like it's all good self-love but I think self-love goes beyond that and you know especially for me this year it's been a year of healing for me and I think showing myself self-love has been you know not putting pressure on myself because I can't work mm. out today because my body's sore. Um, it's, you know, those kind of things. And also, um, yeah, just trying to be more positive and happy where I can be and allowing myself 
to not be when they can't be, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. Um, I love the story that you told me about the the shorts and how your your friend was actually a big part of encouraging you to get to put on some shorts. Mm, <laughs> um, for sure. And I found some of the studies show that having supporting friendships help you decrease the low body image that you might have. Mm. How do you get your friend to help you on that journey? I think for me, I'm a bit of a um, a on my own person, if you like. I like to yeah. think that I can just do everything. And I think I'm also lucky and grateful because I've got two sisters. So I naturally have that support around me wherever I go. Um, but I think for a lot of people, it's about, speaking up and just telling your friends where you're at and having those conversations. And a lot of the time, if I get on these kind of big long conversations over tea that you get on with your girlfriends, um, you realize that you're both experiencing the same thing or one has experienced it as well. And, you know, you kind of just start to realize you're not alone. So I think being honest and vulnerable is one of the most powerful things we can be letting people in on our story and how we're feeling. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I think having the, the bravery to do that is really powerful. And mm. um, you build, I think the more vulnerable we are as humans, the closer we become. Um, so I think that goes in friendships as well. The more you open up to your friends and tell them what you're going through, like none of us are mind readers, you know, like the more we talk to each other, the more we can kind of let each other in as well. So I think that's, um, honesty yeah, honesty is yeah. huge. Totally. Yeah. So I just have two final questions. Mm-hmm. Um, what is success to you? How would you define that? It's a hard one, this one. I feel like I've said that to a lot of questions. But, um... <laughs> Great, I'm doing yeah, a lot of hard questions yeah. here. Must mean you've got some good questions going on. But success is, success is hard. I think for me, and I, I hate that this is so cheesy and cliche, but success for me is being happy in as many stages in my life as I can be and kind of having the bravery to do the things that make me happy you know um I would love to get to the end of my life and um just be happy basically I think Mm. we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be so many other things but I just want to um yeah have a good life and I think that's successful um I, I would rather do something that gets me by financially and makes me happy then do something that makes me millions of dollars but I go home grumpy every night you know um and I I want to do that because I think that's how we're you know we build good connections and that's how our relationships stay strong and we become good parents or whatever it might be you know so um yeah it kind of comes down to happiness and, and health if I can um me and my family and the people close to me are all happy and healthy then that's a pretty pretty successful life mm. I think do you have um do you have a quote do you live by I have so many quotes I have about <laughs> 900 saved on my Pinterest board and that's not an exaggeration I can prove it um, okay give me the top three <laughs> I'm a massive quote girl one of my my mantras if you like I have it on my wall is just you've got this um and it helps me with everything if I'm about to go on stage and talk or if I'm um struggling to push the extra five minutes while I'm on the bike you know it's it's you've got this I think it's a simple way to give yourself some encouragement that makes me happy um I kind of live by the quote that goes um play the cards you were dealt as if it was the hand you wanted and I think that's really powerful in the sense that often we don't get given the things we want in life but I think a lot of good things can come from adversity if you allow it um so that's one of my favorite quotes there's so many more I actually can't think of any more but those are two goodies <laughs> that's great um awesome. that was all the questions I had cool thank you so much thank they were good you questions. so much 
Thank you for listening to Girl Power Pod. My name is Susanne Axelsen. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe and please give it a five-star rating. You can also follow Girl Power Pod on Instagram. It would really mean a lot to me to hear your thoughts on today's episode. So please email girlpowerpod at gmail.com. I would love to get your feedback and I respond to every email. In the next episode, we meet up with Dr. Sasha. She's the co-founder of the Wellness Revolution app that is here to transform the health industry in New Zealand. Dr. Sasha has had an interesting and shifting career, from working in advertising, then changing to becoming a doctor, and now she's also building a tech company. She talks about her journey and how she never really fitted into the box, a living example that you can always change what you're doing if it doesn't fit with what you want out of life. So make sure to subscribe to not miss out.